Hi, I'm Kushi Sethi, and this is Flipping Founders. Due to the polarizing opinions about blockchain, NFTs, and cryptocurrency, it can be really overwhelming for a beginner to even try to decide where to invest in. This is why today I have with me Ashit Anwar. Welcome to Flipping Founders. Thank you. Thank you so much. He, no he is the co-founder of Blockaday, and he we would be talking about blockchain technology today. Excited. Yeah. So would you like to tell us a little about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, first of all, it's great to be here. Um, so a bit my, about myself, my name is Nejdet and um, you know, I'm a third year university student. Um, I'm studying psychology uh, with potential minor in business in the future. I've been really interested in crypto um, since I think it's been a year and a half now. And um, I'm sort of delving into it, the rabbit hole. Um, started this company called Block a Day with a couple of friends. And uh, if eventually we, we kind of, uh, we went through a couple of um, like uh, problems here and there and then sort of uh, grew together, learned a lot of things. And now we pivoted our business model to a uh, podcast and we've been, uh, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, what do you think is the one thing people misunderstand about blockchain the most? Mm, I think to look at this, I can see from two perspectives. So one is that a lot of people think this is a completely new thing. Uh, I think the correct way to understand is, is it's sort of utilizing the existing technologies and uh, kind of combining them together and figuring out a new way of doing things completely. So. Uh, to be a bit more specific, the three technology is uh, sort of uh, public key cryptography um, and then distributed system and consensus model. So these are sort of the core technologies that goes into blockchain. And uh, I think the, the second thing that people misunderstand is it's only something that applies to the financial market that people make a lot of money. It's just an investing thing, uh, potentially a lot of scams here and there. But it's actually just a technology that enables uh, people to do things differently. And this can apply to many other uh, industries, such as supply chain, uh, medicine, uh, healthcare, and like many, many other things, gaming. So I think these are the two big misunderstandings in the blockchain technology space. Co-founders and how did it all start? What's your founding story? attended this um, hackathon mm -hmm. and I met someone who was super interested in uh, blockchain and I was just thinking hey we I'm interested in blockchain but I barely find people to talk about blockchain mm -hmm. you know there aren't a lot of people uh, kind of forming a community and talking about it so I talked to my co-founder and said why don't we start a community and basically we just we just started a block a day as a community and uh, some people came in and essentially we had um, Four to I think we had four co-founders. Mm -hmm. um, essentially, we uh, just started as a community, thinking about purely just educating people about blockchain, talking about it. Um, and that's how we started. It's wonderful. And are they, you know, your age, like your friends, or are they all like different ages and different stages of their life? Definitely different stage of uh, dif different stages, different uh, age. Um, I'm the youngest, <laughs> so okay. I'm still, you know, everyone else was uh, two of them graduated. Uh, and one of them was in fourth year. So we're all different stages in life. Yeah. yeah. So regardless of like what career stage or age everyone is, it was just like this 
love for blockchain and like seeing the potential of blockchain that like brought you all together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No. For my next question, how did you start the business and what was your original plan? And I think that was a web to the edutech company. So what does the day-to-day look like? Yeah. So uh, I can delve a little bit deeper into uh, the journey of you know, block a day. So Obviously, like I said, we started as a community. It was just pure passion and love to educate people about blockchain and to talk about it, to, to kind of figure this industry out together. Um, but the more we built this community, the more people who came into the community started talking about it and more experts we talked to and uh, the companies as well. We realized that there is a great business opportunity there and that a lot of these Web3 startups, um, they have really great products, product ideas but you know, to build a startup is very difficult, right? You have to pour a lot of resources into mm-hmm. actually building it. But in this industry, it's so new that people don't understand the value of blockchain. So you have this uh, difficulty to actually educate your users about potential users about why uh, this product is going to help you. Um, but a lot of these startups don't have the resources and time to educate their users. So we thought, hey, why don't we come in as your uh, partner educational arm? and do the education for you so you can uh, focus on your product and we will take care of the education for you. So that to us sounded like a really great business plan. And we start validating with other businesses and we found that it's a great opportunity. Uh, we receive a lot of interest. So we had this uh, business plan set out. We, we started to pitch to other companies. Uh, we got clients as well. Uh, and and we I think this is where I can sort of talk about um, this sort of perceived growth stage of block a day you know we were growing quite fast and um i think one of the few things that a lot of student founders or young founders the mistake that they might make is when you're at a growth stage you always or when you're founding a company you always want to do a lot of things you have so many ideas right and most of them are great ideas but you have to understand that you're you have limited resources right and it really comes down to resource allocation. Yeah. With the amount of resources, what can you achieve? What should you prioritize? And I think that's one of the things that we, I don't think we did really well. Mm-hmm. We had great ideas and essentially we wanted to pursue all of them. But with the limited resources that we had, when you, when you sort of, you know, when you have this much water and you, you pour in like five different cups, you're going to have very little water in yeah. all the different cups, right? So you want to be able to do each of them really well. So... I think that's one of the mistakes, in my opinion, that we made. Um, uh, so it didn't go as much as I, I thought it would go. What does that profit model look like for your company? Yeah, so to put it quite simply, um, we did this, um, essentially we could think about it as like a creative agency. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they want um, these sort of, education material made, whether that's online, whether that's in-person networking, in-person uh, panel discussion, or, um, or it's like a video or, or a podcast. These are all sort of different services that we provide. And for each service that we provide, we charge uh, a certain amount, right? So essentially, yeah. But, yeah, and are there other companies doing something similar to yours? Mm, I, I think I think def- there are, but... Um, what's most sort of common is individuals who are doing these stuff. Mm-hmm. So there are people who are sort of Web3 influencers, whether it's on TikTok or Instagram, they uh, help these companies to post their stuff. 
But I think this is where we were the differenti the differentiating factor for us is that a lot of these influencers they focus on the hype, right? They focus mm -hmm. on what's next coin, what's this, but we were really, really focused on the technology. So we're trying to break down the technology so that people understand why it's valuable and how it's going to change people's lives. So I think that was the main differentiating factor. Um, that's one. And maybe I can just quickly touch on something. Yeah. Um, one of the things we also wanted to build was a educational platform mm -hmm. that utilizes blockchain. So think about like Udemy or uh, Coursera, but it's built on the blockchain. So essentially, you would earn their certificate as NFTs, and these would basically be with you forever, right? So you would have, uh, you'd basically have a wallet that mm -hmm. has all of your educational certificates, everything that you've done, and this will represent your educational history. And wherever you go, you can prove it, right? So there's no, there's no doubt about sort of whether or not you faked it, whether or not you did this, and you had to actually complete some of the things in order to earn some of these. Uh, NFTs. So that was the original idea. Uh, we want to build up products. Um, there are a lot of similar products out there. I can mention a few. Maybe if, mm -hmm. if you're interested, you can check it out. Uh, Rabbit Hole. Uh, there's Anza Academy. Um, uh, there, there are many, uh, Web3 Academy. There are many different websites that do a bit similar things. They utilize the technology to uh, sort of uh, help people kind of educate people about Web3. But I think it can go beyond that. Right? So it's not just Web3. It could be anything. Yeah. yeah, so yes, I have a few questions about digital assets. Sure. And then I think the first one would be is the volatility and unregulated nature of cryptocurrency in particular the reason for, you know, such huge gains and losses when it comes to like market capitalization? Uh, it's a very good question, right? So I think um, it's definitely a contributing factor. Mm -hmm. There are many aspects that goes into, let's just say, like, why? does cryptocurrency go all the way up and all the way down? Like, there, why is there so much gains and losses in this? Yeah. So um, I think to understand this, uh, it's it's more about, like, it's more about human behavior, right? It's, it's like, why is there so much demand in this stuff all of a sudden? Yeah. And then, like, why does it drop so much, right? So of sort of emerging technologies and mm -hmm. how they get adopted. We can look back in in the early 2000s the, the dot-com crash right so yeah. dot-com bubble essentially there's this new emerging technology saying that oh anyone can use the internet and then all these random internet companies came up and yeah. said we're going to do this and we're going to do that um there's this huge bubble and then all of a sudden it bursted because there's no like let's say 90 percent of these companies are not producing profit or are not actually they don't have a real product right yeah, they just any substance so it's exactly just, oh, it's just like Sort of exactly anyway. it's just hype right yeah. there's no substance there mm -hmm. so um in that case the bubble will burst and what we saw was a huge dip in um you know uh, prices all of these stocks are just gone all of these companies being wiped out mm -hmm. so that's a that's sort of a, a very um common thing if you look at history uh, a lot of time when there's um there, there's this um graph plots out the way that emerging technologies get adopted Mm -hmm. uh, there's a sort of peak of um, uh, infl inflated expectations. And what we saw in uh, recent years is the same thing, right? We saw so much inflated expectations. There's this new emerging technology. A bunch of these companies came out and saying that we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. But many of them don't have any substances. Um, so if you look at it that way, it's just kind of history repeating itself.
right? So a lot of these are just chasing hype. They don't have true um, products or they don't have any substance value to it. They don't add any value, right? So in that way, your fear of missing out, right? So you you think that, oh, people are all getting into it, that I must get into it. So uh, the more demand there are, the more prices go up. So um, if you look at it that way, uh, I think the sort of the unregulated nature does come in play Mm -hmm. because essentially there's lack of education. Governments don't know what to do about it. Governments, they don't understand what this technology is about. So they're slow to react, right? Um, When they're slow to react, there's less sort of restrictions to how markets should play out. Then there's more volatility. But like I said, it's it's more of just many aspects kind of coming together. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, Yeah, and then... For like a beginner, if you were talking to like a beginner, mm-hmm. what sort of resources or guides would you suggest for somebody just like starting out? Sure. Um, I think shameless plug, I would say uh, definitely subscribe to uh, Blockade Podcasts. Podcast. Um, we have a podcast. I'll put the link in below. <laughs> for sure. Essentially, our podcast, we, we sort of simplify the technology. We don't focus on hype, focus on technology, um, make people understand how this technology can apply to different industries. So after a shameless plug, I think um, good resources is, um, it depends on what you like. If you're into YouTube videos, um, there are a lot of um, sort of, I think whiteboard, whiteboard crypto is really good. It's a good place to start. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good YouTube channel. If you're into books, I think what would be really good is uh, Book of Satoshi, essentially the founder of Bitcoin, you know, this, this mysterious personal organization created the bitcoin and they have a white paper and um this kind of started this whole um new era of of web3 technology um i think that's a good book of satoshi is a good resource um it's not written by satoshi it's just a book written um sort of pulling out all of the historic uh historically said texts from um satoshi and uh, sort of explaining what does the original vision look like for, for Bitcoin. I think that's a good way to start. Like, start understanding what Bitcoin is. If you understand what Bitcoin is in the core, you can start to understand why there is such a big sort of um, big hype around this, this technology. And then and you can start to filter out some of the good ones uh, compared to the hype ones. Um, yeah. I think that's a good, good place to start. Just start from Bitcoin. Um, if you're slightly more intermediate, uh, if you sort of get through the basics, understanding what like this decentralized technology is, um, you can start trying hands-on stuff. So let's say if you're a developer, you can start looking at uh, learning Solidity, which is a programming language on Ethereum. So how do I build these smart contracts? Or if you're someone who's not in a programmer, you can start, uh, I guess, start with having a wallet and maybe put a little bit of money into the wallet and then start experimenting with some of the Web3 the apps, which is decentralized applications. And I think this hands-on approach is really helpful to understanding what this is all about. Then you'll start to see sort of what are the problems that exist in the space. And I think that's a really good thing because the more people realize there are problems in the space, there are inefficiencies, and there are, there are basically crappy products out there, the more people will want to build better products, right? Um, I think that's super important. So. I guess that's a long-winded way of kind of... Yeah, and I think once people, like, understand it properly, yeah. they, you know, like, they know, like, okay, like, this is what it's there, but then this is what it could be, like, to realize the actual potential mm-hmm. of blockchain, then I think they would be even m- more sort of motivated to, like, a- educate other people. Yes. 
because they can be like potential future customers. Mm -hmm. And then I think second, also just encourage more companies to do the same. Yes. Because I think from what I've read, people either love blockchain, they know like it's amazing and it's going to be so good for the future mm -hmm. or they're absolutely like disregarded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if just like understanding, I feel like there's no like common knowledge mm -hmm. about blockchain. What is your opinion about sort of countries are playing, like individual governments are playing? Because again, it's not illegal, you can trade, but again, it's not also used as legal tender. Yes. You know, so this sort of like gray space mm -hmm. between this, what do you think about that? Why like governments aren't doing that? I personally feel that because, you know, I feel that governments fear that their currency is going to lose value mm -hmm. because I think even a bank transfer, even if you're in the same province, can just take like four to five days. Mm -hmm. And if you if anybody is using like cryptocurrency, it can be done in like minutes. Yeah. If that happens, people do want their money moved here and there faster. Like why you wouldn't really go the traditional way, banking way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the other reason could also just be think she's a black money transfer mm -hmm. overseas as well because again it's not it's not very regional it's very like globalized yeah that's what i feel about what do you think no i think you have a very good point um it's it's definitely you're on the right track right so governments want to do is they want to protect people's funds right so there are agencies that exist to protect people's funds and uh what they what they want to do is uh like you said it's it's true you know right now uh, because of the nature of how blockchain works, and let's just say Bitcoin, for example, um, there are black money that that goes goes through uh, the system, mm -hmm. and it's very hard to identify who these people are because of the anonymous nature of it, right? So there are definitely concerns on that. And but um, the truth is, there are a lot of um, illegal stuff that goes through the uh, normal financial system as well. So I think it's a bit unfair to look at Bitcoin and say that because there are black money. So then it's just bad for everything, right? It's, it's not fair. There are uh, traditional financial system go through the same thing. And um, that's one, one aspect. They, they, they want to sort of um, uh, make sure that, you know, these illegal activities are not being funded through this uh, avenue. Um, the other, I think what really comes down to is just control. Um, when you have mass adoption of a currency financial system, where there's no central entity that's controlling it, has is overseeing it, has the ability to just snap their finger and be like, yes, I'm gonna like blacklist this, I'm gonna control that, mm -hmm. then you essentially are slowly losing control. But that's not what governments want, right? Government want to control. control. Yes. So, but that's why Bitcoin exists. The reason that they exist is to resist these kind of centralization. Mm -hmm. It's to say that, okay. We can build a financial system based, based on peer-to-peer -peer support network. We don't need any centralized entity to control our financial control our financials. We can rely on the, the, the public, we can rely on the community, we can rely on everybody who's part participant um, to support this network and to allow for transfer of money without anyone controlling. But governments fear this, right? So I think at the end of the day, it comes down to that. But because of how fast this technology is evolving, it's really hard to shut it down. 
right? It's 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 really hard to completely just stop everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a lot of efforts to do so, but many in vain. So when you can't beat them, you join them, right? Yeah. So you find ways to join them, and essentially, um, if if governments can make a good profit out of this, they will find ways to join them. So, uh, but if you look at some countries that have adopted it as a legal tender, and you mm-hmm. wonder why do they do that, then you look at their sort of historic, uh, the, the history of their currency and how they came to uh, what it is today. You realize that many of them sort of suffer uh, suffer with like high inflation. So, I think a lot of time people who live uh, in Western countries sort of take it for granted. Mm-hmm. is that you know we can rely on the currency and then there hasn't been big sort of um problems with with our sort of financial system but um if you look at some of the more um less i guess less developed countries um they've they've have it's you could have so much money in the bank today but the second day it might just be gone right it might not be worth that it might not be worth that much it could be you know either there's a war or there's a, a government gets toppled and then the, the bank is overlending so how do you prevent scams because i don't think there's anybody to go to if mm-hmm. you get played you know you get scammed how do you avoid scams yeah and um yeah if you get played what do you do I think uh, it's a very common experience uh, among people who have sort of entered the space uh, while it's kind of the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've experienced scam before. So what I realized is scamming essentially comes down to um, just don't click random links. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's very simple for people to get scammed because of this sort of fear FOMO. Essentially, they're like, oh, um, I want to suddenly there's a link that appears saying that, oh, if you um, if you uh, click on this link and then sign this message, you will receive X amount of coins. Mm-hmm. And people who are very new to this, they don't see the red flags. right? Yeah. So they assume like, oh, this is a normal link. And they click on it. They sign the message. The wallet gets drained. So and, and, you know, like I said, the thing about the wallets is you own this wallet and no one can take that away from you. But if you give it, to if you someone, give it to someone, so like, if you sign a message and say that yes, I will transfer this amount, it it does, right? Yeah. So, um, by no one can take it away from you is that no one can like, essentially they they can't like just blacklist you mm-hmm. and say that. Uh, although that's that's not entirely true, but uh, what's true is that like, um, it's not like your bank account. Let's say, um, if if someone does some crazy things uh banks can say that oh this person is a terrorist and then they yeah. uh freeze his bank account right you can't do that in 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 the blockchain space because you own the uh the wallet yourself yeah. so and you have the keys to that to the wallet and whoever has the keys to the wallet they have full access to the wallet right so uh essentially what you shouldn't do is give your keys away obviously um if you give your keys away you're giving your your wallet away so as long as you keep your keys safe, that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, second is just don't click on malicious links, right? Always yeah. double check the links. Um, figure out like, um, why is this link there? Why is this being promoted to me? Mm-hmm. And always sort of be a bit suspicious of these things. So uh, I think that's that's if you, we're still in the very early stages of of you know this web three space, and in the in a way, I think it's still wild wild west. It takes a while for it to mature. And uh, essentially, we're all figuring out it together.
educate yourself, look at some YouTube videos, search up common scams in the crypto space. Uh, and another shameless plug, our Discord channel, we also have a dedicated page for common scams. Mm -hmm. So if you're very interested, you can check out that channel. And we listed a couple of uh, common scams and I think they're very, um, very good resources. So it's um, what's really good is th there's a difference between centralized exchange and decentralized exchange, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at decentralized exchanges, what I talked about, you own your own wallet, you have your own keys, you own your coins. But there's also centralized uh, is essentially you have these entities that will say, okay, we'll keep the coin, it will keep the the uh, key safe for you. Uh, think about it just like a bank. So these right. can include like Binance, um, Crypto.com, Coinbase. These are centralized exchanges. I think these are great ways to start off. So mm -hmm. if you're super new and you're like, I don't trust myself right now to yeah. keep it going, I, what I can do is I just want to participate in it. So you can sign up in, in a centralized exchange and then try to trade a little bit just to sort of take this chance to understand some of the projects mm -hmm. here and there. Uh, you can look at Ethereum, you can look at Bitcoin, you can look yeah. at Avalanche. Like look at these projects and understand what these are all about. And I think that's a great way to start. Yeah. yeah. Moving on to personal questions. Oh, great. How is it's the personal. startup founder and CEO treating you? Started Walk a Day. Um, you know, it, I had this sort of vision. I wanted to build this out. I have so much passion. And when you start something, you're super excited. And that's all you can think about is, uh -huh. is your startup, right? So that's your baby and you wanted to see it grow. Uh, all you can think about is that. So for me, it was um, quite difficult because I had classes to balance classes and to balance building this. And um, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, but I don't think it's not doable because I see a lot of people around me are doing really well. Um, so what I what I would say is one of the few things is, I think it comes down to like resource allocation, like I mentioned, right? You only have so much resources. How do you spend them? What's worth it to you? And I don't think I've done really well in terms of that when I was building Block A Day. By that, I mean, I spent very little time on studying so my grades were not good you know they were really not good and if i look back and say would i have changed it i don't know actually i don't know probably not so that's a really interesting point right so i think what what happens is if you're you're constantly making decisions here and there how i look back and say and then say i'm not going to change anything because mm -hmm. it led to where i am today right it led to me sitting here talking to you yeah. so so um and I, I always think of what Steve Jobs said um, in one of his commencement speeches is that you cannot connect the dots by looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. That's the one thing I always keep in mind is that when I face a difficult decision, I realize that no matter what I choose, it's going to be an interesting path for me. Yeah. Something's going to work out and it's going to be great. No time to study. Mm -hmm. uh, all you can think of is, you know, um, building this. And especially when you're with people who are a bit older than you, um, who are currently sort of full-time doing this, you have no choice but to go full-time in this, right? Yeah. It's not like I was forced to, but I really wanted to do that. Um, so, so yeah, I think like briefly touch upon that. It's just, it's, it, was, it was not easy. Um, really hard to balance, but it's not impossible. It really comes down to how you, how you allocate your time, right? Mm -hmm. And then what did that look like for you? So I guess like a bit more day-to-day, I guess I'll just kind of wake up and if I have school, I 
I would try my best to go to classes, mm -hmm. which is rarely. <laughs> but um, I would sort of look at, find ways to um, absorb the most important things out of classes. Uh, just see sort of slideshows and see like what's important, uh, note them down. And while I'm noting down, I might be thinking about block a day. That's the truth of it. You yeah. know? You're always thinking about it. And uh, if you have suddenly an idea, you would want to do that. And there were a lot of meetings here and there uh, about basically everything in the company, right? So how do we scale how do we uh, kind of grow this uh how do we get investors all of these mm -hmm. kind of you're, you're constantly thinking about these in your head um there's just a lot of meetings um very late at night you you, you lay in bed you're always your mind is still thinking you know your mind. that i think a lot of founders before starting out they underestimate that it's gonna it's not just gonna like take up half of your time yeah. it's gonna be your life it is for mm-hmm pretty long yeah. and you can decide like you know i think as till whenever you're sort of creating new things innovating your startup's gonna be alive yeah. and that requires all of your energy yeah. because as an entrepreneur it's not about you know you getting a degree and then just applying whatever you've learned in those four years to that degree that's true it's you innovating testing things out 24 i wouldn't say 24 7 but most of the time almost almost, <laughs> almost there. yeah almost and i think a lot of founders don't realize that once they're starting it they're like yeah. oh we're starting this we're passionate about this and then when you actually get into it i think one month in two months in you see how your priorities have changed and how yes. your life has changed yes because it's it's even just like oh like if you just have classes after classes you know you can go and like meet friends or just go to stanley park ride a bicycle enjoy your life enjoy yeah. your life you have a social life you study and then once you have a startup, right, once you have a startup, it's classes. And then after that, you're working, you're working, you're working, you're doing your homework, you're submitting your assignments, you might take a nature walk for mental health. And then you're back at it yep. again. But there's also so much excitement in that, Absolutely. that I wouldn't ever sort of choose the classes and then, you know, True. meeting friends. I love my friends. Yeah. But again, there's just something so exciting about building something from scratch that's completely your idea yes and your vision mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that it's it's amazing it's amazing yeah and i think the only worst thing than starting it would be not starting yes i'm so supportive of what you just said yeah super super I, the worst thing is if you just not started mm -hmm. and then you'll at some point you'll look back and say what if i started that yeah you know you you'd I think you, you'd miss out on a lot of good things. Um, if anything, anyone is like super interested in, in building something, I should say go for yeah. I was actually talking to my mentor once and then I was telling him about this company I'm trying to build. And then I was like, you know, what if I fail? What if I fail? What if this doesn't work out? That doesn't work out? Finances. And then he's like, you know, regardless of whether it works out or not, start. And then when you start, you're going to be in this sink or swim position. Yes. And that is going to teach you so much more. Absolutely. So that by the end of it, whether, you know, you have your startup and it's continuing and it's a success or you don't have, you're going to be a completely different person. Absolutely. Because the journey is so wild. So wild. It's yeah. so wild that it's it's going to be life changing. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm completely supportive of it. You know, for me, what's my priority right now? Um, you know, I'm, I'm balancing uh I'm doing internships, so I'm balancing my work and my um, and my school as well. So you're the... doing an internship, you're building block today, and you're studying full time. 
kind of, kind of. Oh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. It's it's um. The biggest challenge you face till now in your journey, I think, personal, professional, and what has been like the biggest learning from all of that? Navigating through the the a system and um, an environment that you're not familiar. Let's say, like, I am international and I come to Canada. And I'm trying to build a business in Canada. There's so many things I don't understand about Canada, right? So, uh, you know, you have to navigate everything. Yeah. But I think one of the it's a really big challenge. But what could help you is if you can find a really good mentor. And uh, it's not easy to find a mentor, right? Because it's not just someone you can look at and be like, oh, I like your experience. Um, I want you to be my mentor. It's sometimes you meet them in the most unexpected of times. And you realize how much you guys click and how much value you can add to each other's life, not mm -hmm. just one way. Yeah. Um, and they have to see the value in investing time in you as well, right? So I think having good mentors is super important because they've probably gone through the things that you have and they can offer great insights to you. And having these people to be there to support you is super important. And uh, like I said, it's not easy finding them. But if you do find them, um, they're great, great, great uh, people to sort of make sure you you keep in touch with. Um, I think it's it's fair to sort of mention my friend Zian. I think both of us are very um, aligned on this as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we we always talk about how important it is uh, to network, obviously, to to expand your circle. But it's even more important to to look at the the people who are uh, you know close to you and and figure out like how can I make sure I I keep these contacts. You know, how mm -hmm. I need to build these relationships. Most influential person in your life. So I actually, you know, thinking about this, I wouldn't go with okay, my cliche answer would be my parents, right? Mm -hmm. But I actually want to go with some someone else. Um yeah. this is a very controversial person. Um somehow I look up to is Elon Musk. I love him. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I, I I find that very interesting. A lot of people either hate him or very love him. I'm very neutral about this person. But I, I really, really admire one thing about him. And I and this is something I, I keep in mind as well, is his uh, he's not complacent about things. You know, he is he has high standards and he has high standards for himself. Um, he has so much already, but he's not stopping. And you wonder how come someone who has so much already doesn't stop and you realize that he's not chasing the same thing as other people might be chasing. Yeah. Right, he's chasing a mission. He's really, really motivated uh, internally by a, by uh, a mission that he wants to see happen in the future. So no matter how much his you know, net worth, net worth is, if right, it doesn't matter. Yeah, his focus, his focus. He, he's never complacent. You know, um, and I just really admire that. Just, um, yeah. yeah, and for the last question, oh, I love you could be remembered for one thing. What would you want it to be? Yeah, this is a question that you have to sit and just think for like three or four days and then to give a satisfying answer. Um, I think it really relates to what I did the previous question. I remembered as someone who's not complacent, be able to sort of do things that I think is going to help not just me, but other people. Other people as well. That's what I really uh, think. So, you know, I might not have a lot of, um, for now, I don't, might not have a lot of connections, but maybe I have a few, right? What can I do with just a little bit of uh, resources? Okay, how can I help? If someone comes to me and say, hey, I'm building this, uh, I'll be happy to introduce this person to whoever I know mm -hmm. or who might help him. 
right? That to me is is not being complacent, because I could really well just sit there and just you know think, okay, I I have what I want. I'm not gonna do anything more than or beyond uh, what's required of me. But I think just being able to sort of know what you have now and always think about how can I sort of help other people uh, achieve their dreams. Um, that's something I want to be remembered as. Yeah, no, that's pretty impressive. Really, like complacency. That whatever you do, like don't be complacent, mm-hmm. be focused, and also just lift others while yeah. Yeah. you're trying to rise up. Mm-hmm. Just, I think, just do more than that's required of you. you know? Yeah, I think that that's that's such a broad thing to. It's very broad as well. It can apply to any part of your day, your life your job, anything, right? Is it what's required of you? Do more than what's required of you. Yeah, and I think that could be from, like, the smallest things to, like, really big things. I think for smallest things could be maybe just, like, checking up on your friends and family. And then I think it could go, like, big way, like, okay, introducing somebody to someone. You coming on my podcast and promoting it. This is so cool. I love it. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming. This has been amazing. I wish we had more time. (laughs) Yeah, and I wish you nothing but success in the future. Appreciate it. Likewise as well. Hi, I'm Kushi Sethi, and this is Flipping Founders.